Welcome to Career Revisionist with Dr. Grace Lee, dedicated to doers, dreamers, and realists who want more success and satisfaction in their life. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a fulfilling career where it's all about doing work you love and growing your income without sacrificing your values? And now your host, deep sea diving is not on her bucket list, Dr. Grace Lee. Seven crucial lessons that the academic education system did not teach me. That is what I would love to share with you today in this episode of Career Revisionist. And if you've been following me for some time, you would know that I had spent three degrees, including a PhD and a two-year postdoctoral fellowship in university. I had spent my the greater part of my early career in academia. So it's been 12 years total and really leaving the academic world was the best decision I made for my career. And you'd think that after all of this education that I would have everything I needed to build a successful and fulfilling career, but I didn't, right? Despite achieving the highest degree, a PhD, I found what I found to be true was that there was a lot of gaps in the education system and I had to seek really hard to fill it in with my entrepreneurial approach to life. And I've always been an entrepreneur in in my mindset, right? And it started in the early age when I was when I was supporting myself through education and in high school as well, when I had no parental support and no financial support, I, w- I had an entrepreneurial mindset. So I really had to lean on that to fill in those gaps. Right, so I'm going to share with you the seven things that the academic system did not teach me and things that they don't teach that could be hurting your career. So here's what they did. And, it, and, it really, and I really felt when I look back on it, what I found to be true is that these seven things, had I known them during the time, I would be able to make better decisions for my career. Right, so number one, the first thing the school system did not teach me was how to deal with chaos and uncertainty. You see, in the academic world, you're given a curriculum to follow and you have this class schedule as well. Everything is set out and laid out for you. You just follow it. So all of your your days are laid out in this predictable pattern. You know, they tell you where you have to be, what time you have to be there, what books you need to read. They tell you where to get them, you know, and how much it costs. And they tell you how you need to perform. Right? They tell you what grade point average you need, what, what class, what, how far above the class average you need to be to succeed, what means passing, what means exceptional, what you need to graduate. They tell you exactly how you need to perform, what your KPIs are. So there's a lot of predictability there. Right? And in many ways, it's not too different from childhood when your, player, when your parents planned all of your days. Right? And so you're familiar with having your days planned for you when you enter college. Your parents did it. They did it throughout your high school, throughout your elementary school. When you were born, they planned all your all of your days and you didn't have much of a choice. Of course, you do have choice on the s- smaller, minute scale of things. But on the grand scale of things, there's somebody telling you where you have to be, what time you got to be there, what you have to do, well, how well you need to perform. Right. So then that, that education system creates kind of like the same umbrella and, it, and there's familiarity in that comfort zone. And that comfort zone is having the need for predictability and certainty. Right, so as a corporate professional, and later on, I became an entrepreneur, right? None of this was available to me. I did not have the predictability. I had, did not have any certainty, especially when I went into, I had less of it in the corporate world and even less of it as an entrepreneur. The world was chaotic and it's unpredictable, but that's the, the nature of it. It's a feature of it. 
there's a lot of uncertainty around whether or not my efforts were going to be successful, especially as an entrepreneur. You just have no idea whether or not what you're doing is going to be successful. And I didn't have anybody giving me a curriculum to follow, right? Because the world is unpredictable. The marketplace is always changing. So is the economy. Clients, you know, you got to get clients coming in as an entrepreneur and you have no idea where they're coming from, whether or not they resonate with you, whether or not they resonate with the message you put out there. So there is no such a thing as a curriculum. The business environment is just so fast paced and it's ever changing. It doesn't matter whether or not you are in corporate or entrepreneurship because either way, you're going to be in a business environment. This is a business environment. So the only difference is whether or not you own the business you're working for or someone else owns it and you are just working for them. But here's what I found to be true. The ability to manage ambiguity is one of the most desirable traits to thrive in today's marketplace because it is the business environment, right? And that will always be faster paced and it'll always be changing at a faster and faster pace, the accelerated, uh, the accelerated pace of change. So that's the first thing. The second thing that the academic system did not teach me was how money works. And this is extremely important because let's face it, money is important. And it's the reason why a lot of people work. You need to make a living, you need to pay your bills, you need to provide for your family, and you need to ensure protection for the future. You need to ensure that you and your family are supported in the future. But most importantly, you need money to do the very thing that you long to do, which is to make a meaningful contribution in the world, which is leave a legacy. It's easier to do those things, those meaningful things, those purposeful things, if you have money. Right? It's called earning to give. Making a meaningful contribution in the world is what I call earning to give. And when you earn more, you can give more. Right, And when, when you think about earning to give, I mean, maybe the first thing you think of is donations and charities, but it's not restricted to just that. It also refers to generational giving, right? Or giving in the event of an emergency or giving to lead positive change. It's not just about you have money, you donate 10% of it to charity, right? Having more money also means that you have more resources to give, right? It also means that you have more, more time to give. The academic system is what I call a certificate-optimized system. Certificate-optimized because the focus is on, really, it's on pushing students through a defined curriculum so that they can come out on the other side with a degree or a diploma, which is, which is the certificate. And then they hopefully make something of their lives so that they can perpetuate the t- paradigm of getting an education for a better future and then promote their alma mater along the way. Right, so this certificate-optimized education system is not serving everybody well because you are pushed through to get your certificate and at the end of it, there's no fulfillment, there's no follow-through. It's like now you are left to your own devices on navigating your career. Now you're left to your own devices on making something of your life, but during the academic curriculum, they don't teach you how to do that. And also, The school actually gets extra points for graduating top students who go on to become prominent people in society. But the institution primes their students to think of traditional career paths, right? Traditional career paths. That's what they focus on, that use their educational certification, quote unquote, the way it was intended. That's what they focus on. If you go to school, you get good grades, get a good job, and the job is primed of thinking about traditional career paths, because then that is truly using your degree the way it was intended. And that's the message that students receive. 
So throughout the entire academic program, students are given they are given all the historic and they're given technical knowledge in the subject matter, right? The area that they chose, their major that they chose. They're taught all of the knowledge, historic and technical knowledge. They're given all of that. And what happens is students end up having subject matter expertise. Right? They are right. So they're taught to apply their knowledge out into a relevant field with the goal of production. So that's what you're given in school. You have all the knowledge. It's like collecting data points, all the knowledge points. You have that. You become a subject matter expertise. And there's and now they're teaching you how to apply the knowledge only into a relevant field so that you can be more productive, so that you can produce. But production does not necessarily result in good money earned. Because some of the most highly productive and educated people aren't making anything higher than an average salary. And this is supported by statistics showing that income inequality is on the rise and the middle class is disappearing. And at the same time, college tuition is rising as a, at a faster pace than the earnings. So most students, what happens is that they end up feeling boxed into salaries that are dictated by industry averages, and it's outside of their control. At the same time, there's average salaries by industry and region and workers in the marketplace. They don't understand how many works. They just kind of accept it as this is the way things are. And most people don't understand why money has value. And they don't understand how value is exchanged, how value is created, and how to amass great wealth. And the reason for this lack of education is a direct result of this mis- miseducation we have about money. We're taught to spend a lot of time chasing after money, right? Chasing after an average amount of money versus viewing time as infinitely more valuable than money so that you can find the leverage to make the same amount of money a lot faster. We're taught that money goes to those who work hard all of their lives or who are extremely lucky. That's what we're taught. Versus understanding that people in any industry marketplace will pay you in direct proportion to the value you bring to it. In the school system, we're taught that having a lot of money changes you negatively. But instead, knowing that money doesn't have to change you if you don't let it. That's a better belief, isn't it? We're taught that wanting to earn a lot of money is greedy. Versus realizing that money is the vehicle that allows us the space in the, and the ability to be more generous. We're taught that higher education is a faster and more predictable path to a lucrative career. Versus recognizing that there's a difference between a high income profession and a skill set that is valuable in the marketplace. A skill set that they will pay you top dollars for. A skill set that you can command a premium price for. So that's the second thing that I was not taught was how money works, how it really works in the real world and in the marketplace so that I can convert my knowledge and my skill set into money in the bank. The third thing I was never taught was how to think for myself. You see, in the academic world, you're often taught what to do. You know, like I mentioned before, you're given this curriculum, you're given a class schedule and you have to follow it and all of your days are laid out in a predictable pattern. You don't need to plan your day. You don't need to handle too many interruptions in your schedule because, you know, the, the, the offices can take care of that if you have any conflicts. You don't have to deal with multiple conflicts that demand your attention because all you need to focus on is getting that good grade, getting the reward, getting that recognition. So there's not a, there's not a lot of multiple complex, conflicts. There's not a lot that demands your attention. This is all one goal to graduate and graduate on time. 
So your focus is really 80-20. 80% on following the curriculum and making sure you pass with an acceptable GPA and 20% on balancing time for self-care. That's the 80-20. And some students, some departments, right? Some departments in the university might argue that it looks more like 90-10, depending on which program they obtain their degree, right? Because some departments are just, they just have busier curricula with, with more classes per semester. But here's the thing, there's not a lot of wiggle room to think for yourself. And to stack on top of that, every day leads up to the final exam, right? And in the final exam, you feel like you, they feed you all the questions, in any exam, in all the tests, you are fed all the questions. You're expected and you're rewarded for coming up with the right answers. But the problem that is that in life, success in life is all about coming up with the right questions. It's not about coming up with answers. It's about asking the right questions because questions dictate the outcome. Every problem you can possibly have in your career, in your business, in your life, every problem is simply an unasked question. But it takes skill to truly think of yourself, to truly think for yourself to do this effectively. And so the academic school system doesn't teach you the skill for critical thinking, how to pose really good, how to pose well thought out deep questions to direct the outcome. Because if you change your question, you get a different outcome. And you heard in, in school, they teach you there's no such thing as a stupid question. That might be true. But there is such a thing as the right question to get you the outcome that you want. The right question that will break through to something that that you've been stuck in so that you can break through to the next level that you desire. So that's the third thing that the school system never taught me was how to think for myself. The fourth thing was career development. Right, The academic system does not teach you career development. So I can think of three reasons why someone would choose to enter the academic school system. Three reasons why they would want to do that. One is they hope to build a better career. The second one is they want to satisfy their parents' desires. A lot of times, and this is the reality of it, people go to school, they are in the degree programs because they want, because their parents tell them this is what they want them to do. So they're just satisfying their parents' orders. And I have met and I have been friends with students who went through their bachelor's degree and then later on became dentists because it was their parents' desire. And they're not fulfilled in it, but they did it because their parents paid for everything. It's a reality for some people. So that's the second reason, satisfy the parents' desires. The third reason why someone might want to go into academia is because they have a genuine interest in the subject. A genuine interest. So One is to hope to build a better career. Second is to satisfy their parents' desires. And third is because they have a genuine interest in the subject. And over the course of my academic career, I've met people who fit in all three pockets. Each group, each person in each group has very different experiences of the academic world, depending which group you fall into. You have a different experience of it. So why is that? It's because they each started with a different intent. And intent always sets the tone. Your intent will set the tone to your journey moving forward. Regardless of which group a person belongs to, you know, the, the structure of the school system, the lessons that you learn, the culture of the academic world is the same. So in other words, in any given class, there could be students present who are from each of these different groups. In your classroom, in university, there could be some people there who hope to build a better career. There could be people there who are satisfying their parents' desires. There could people be there that have a genuine interest to be there because they really 
have an interest in that subject. All of these groups exist in every given classroom. But academia spends so much time and effort looking at test scores, averages, and other measurements of what they call learning. And there's insufficient focus on future career development. Which means answering the more important non-exam questions like who am I? Or what is my purpose? Or who am I becoming? Those are questions. They're non-exam questions. But the school system does not teach you how to answer those. And that's only the beginning. The traditional job search and online application strategies aren't working so well anymore. Resume and cover letting writing, those things can no longer be the only skills that are being taught at school for career planning. And yet they are. So I'm seeing a huge gap in the education system around career development, how to navigate career paths all around that, around that, around that subject area. So that's the fourth one. The fifth one, the fifth thing that the education system did not teach me was long-term thinking. Climbing the academic ladder taught me that it's all about the now, right? How you handle your current situation, how you balance your current work, how you perform in your projects, right? I climbed the the academic ladder, bachelor's, master's, PhD, postdoctoral fellow. That's climbing the academic ladder, right? And as I got closer to finishing my PhD, I started to feel that there was something missing. And the ability to think long-term into the future is an important skill for success. Because if you think only in the present, it tends to lend itself to short-sightedness. Thinking only in the future lends itself to chaos in the present. So there has to be some time spent thinking about both time dimensions. The best case scenario is if you are strategically planning activities that take care of more current goals while you are integrating activities that lead to long-term achievements. That's the best case scenario. And I get it. It's hard to plan five or 10 years out, especially if you have not developed the muscle to do so. Then it's even harder to think that far out, especially if you're not in the, pra- in the habit of even thinking about next week or next month, right? But it's always better not to wait until you realize it's necessary. Right, so long-term thinking is something that was never taught in the, edu- in the education system and something that I had to figure out on my own. That was number five. So number six, the sixth thing that the school system never taught me was communication skills. And you might be thinking, what? What do you mean? We do presentations. We learn English. We do that all the time. Here's the thing. In academia, the goal of communication is to get the grades. Right? You write editorials. You write articles. And you write these other pieces. And they're assigned so that you can fulfill the course requirements. Right? To get that grade, you have to write the way you were taught. And the academic vernacular, right? the way that you write, the style of writing, the vocabulary of writing, there's so many words and meanings that are hard for an outsider to understand. There's a lot of jargon. There's a lot of culture in that writing that People outside of the academic world, if they were to read what you wrote, it'd be really difficult to understand. But here's the thing about communication. The purpose of communication is to reach an understanding among people. Communication can do many things. Communication can inform someone. It can be used to express feelings. You can use it to imagine. You can use it to influence other people or to meet social expectations. Right, but the underlying purpose of communication is to have meaningful interaction through a mutual understanding. And that's not what academic writing is to do. The goal of academic writing is to get the grade. It is to 
impress the professor that is marking it or the people who are grading your your piece, right? And they're rewarded for the complexity of language. You are rewarded for how intellectual it sounds. So instead of communicating to connect, what academia taught me in communication was to demonstrate intellect. That's what I learned. How to demonstrate how, how, how intellectual you are or how intellectual you have been in this subject matter through your writing. Right? So the people who judge my performance in communication, they had all the authority to, ter- to determine my grade. They were the ones marking my papers. So I was actually trained time and time again to see communication from that lens. Right? The lens that I saw communication was I had to write to impress the people who were going to determine my grade. And the way that they were impressed was by how intellectual my paper sounded, how well-rounded it sounded, how academic it sounded. And so I adopted that vernacular because I was rewarded for it. So after leaving the academic world, I actually had to unlearn and reprogramming. I had to do all of that. Reprogram my communication habits. Because the best way to communicate effectively is to understand your audience, right? And you understand them so that you can use their language to build rapport with them. And then that's when you can deliver your message with the intent to serve them. And that's what I found is the most effective type of communication. Something that I had to develop, a habit that I had to develop and unprogram all of that intellectual vernacular. So that's the sixth thing. The seventh thing, the last thing that, the education system did not teach me was imagination. Imagination. In academic learning, when you are learning in school, when you are learning in the education system, there's so many facts that you have to learn. A lot of facts, a lot of information. And it doesn't matter what you study. You could be studying the sciences, the arts, engineering, business. It doesn't matter what you study. There's just so much historical knowledge that you have to know. Everything is important to know because you got to assume everything's going to be on the exam. You're going to be tested on everything. And that's where imagination gets stifled because you got so many facts to learn, so much information to cram into your brain. It's easy to spend your days cramming data into your brain without having any clue of why you're doing it or how it contributes to your professional future. And besides that, you got your course curriculum and it's so predictable and everything, your days are laid out for you, all of that, it leaves so little to the imagination. We know exactly what's going to happen next. We're told what the consequences are if we don't perform. We're told the consequences if we don't do this. We're told the consequences if we do that. And the rules and the regulations in the academic system, they have a lot of policies, rules and regulation. They all prevent any deviations from it. All predictability, churning and churning and churning. And so it leaves very little to the imagination. And I didn't really learn the true impact of imagination by doing coursework in college. I didn't learn the true impact of it. I mean, if you have read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, he talks about the imagination as one of the key principles of success. Success in any avenue of life, success in any industry or business. And he's talking about amassing great riches and great wealth through imagination as one of the principles. So training my imagination was really a key part of the process for achieving the success I wanted. And being able to do that, it really came from having an entrepreneurial trait. The trait that 
I had this drive to move towards my goals through my vision, the trait of being a visionary, and it came from wanting to define my own success. So if you haven't read Think and Grow Rich, highly recommend that book. And I actually did an episode on it. You know, Check out my previous episode in Career Revisionist. I talk about the science behind Think and Grow Rich. The principles of Think and Grow Rich, including imagination. Why, how the science shows that these are true principles of achieving success. So go ahead and listen to my previous episode in Career Revisionist on Think and Grow Rich. You see, honing my imagination through visualization has really fueled my desire to achieve a goal that I once thought was not possible for me. So all of these things, right? I just told you seven things that the academic system did never, didn't teach me. And they could be hurting your career. The things that you don't know sometimes are the things that are hurting you the most. But it doesn't mean that the academic world has nothing to offer, right? I'm not here bashing the academia and I'm not here saying, don't go to school, boycott the education system. That's not what I'm saying. Now, there were important things that I learned from academia. You know, and I'll give you a few examples. The first one is that it gave me fundamental knowledge about the world, right? The world that I know, that we all know it today, the world that was before, the world that is now, it's all a fundamental knowledge. And you choose it, you know, depending on your program curriculum. And my first degree was in biochemistry. So I learned about physics. I learned about chemistry. You know, I learned about biology. These are, that's foundational knowledge about things that help you in your future to understand the way the world works to understand physics and the laws of nature. That's important because those are principles of life, principles of living and principles of success. So that's one thing that the academic world taught me was that fundamental knowledge about the world. The second thing was to have collective experience, right? When you are in university, and and it doesn't mean you have to stay on campus. I did. Throughout all my degrees, I stayed in the dormitory on the university. And it really gave me a collective experience. You know, you are among your people. You're among your tribe and they are, you're, you're like-minded, you're going through the same thing, right? All of you are in the same boat, but at the same time, you are among your college professors and other mentors there too. So all of you are having this collective experience and you can work towards improving it for each other. You can imp- work towards improving it as a collective. And that collective experience is really important because it is for personal development. It shapes who you are. And it gives you a little bit of awareness of the importance of partnerships with other people and collaboration. The third thing is self-discipline, right? A lot of times, unfortunately, although I talked about collaboration just now, academia is, there's not a lot of encouragement and structure around collaboration. And the reason why is because when you are working on your assignments, you are writing your exam, it's really you. You you have to do it yourself because if you, you can't collaborate on it on an exam, it's called cheating, <laughs> right? So, so you see what I mean? The, the, the meat of it is you have to earn your degree on your own and you have to demonstrate that you collected the knowledge, that you successfully learned what they taught you. And that is really done on your own. Otherwise, it's called cheating. Yes, there is group work. If you were in the sciences, there are labs where you have lab partners and, and, you, and you have a, a goal for the, the group, right? But that is... That's part of the collective experience. But really, it comes down to doing things on your own, right? There is an individual component to every grade you get. And that's the bulk of it, is your own individual grade. And But what that does is it, it, it teaches you self-discipline. 
because nobody's there looking over your shoulders. Nobody's there making sure that you study. Nobody's there making sure that you get your assignments done, right? So that gives you self-discipline. And the fourth thing was that it taught me how to manage my time in multiple projects, right? So I was the I was the ambitious student. You know, in my undergrad, I had at least six courses per semester. I didn't need to, but I just, I had so many interests and I did well in school. So I, I enrolled purposefully six courses every semester for my entire, the whole degree. And I enjoyed it as well. And it, it didn't have any extra cost to me because I had a scholarship that paid for everything. So it didn't cost me anything. And I just decided to really broaden my, my, my knowledge. And because of that, you know, every course that I enrolled in, the science courses had labs, know laboratory research components and they had their own assignments and then there was um, essays I had to write you know research projects I had to do so there were like multiple projects with deadlines and it really helped me to practice and to really hone my time management right so there's there those are the things that the academic world does have to offer but and in some ways the academic curriculum gives you an opportunity to have this breadth of knowledge right and there's built-in flexibility Right, because you get to choose electives, you get to choose things that you're, are interested in you that that you find interest in, and they are not dictated by the curriculum. So the curriculum says you have to take your your core courses, and you take those, and then there's like maybe like six credits of courses that you can take of your choosing. So there's that flexibility. It's not a hundred percent flexible, right? But there is some flexibility in which interests you can pursue and sometimes in those elective courses is where you can really uncover what you're deeply interested in and that's that's the cool thing about it is that it's a safe environment to do the exploration right it's a safe environment and it allows you to explore your interests it allows you to explore your strengths and perhaps even your core values right and it's interesting because when I was in school and one of the electives that I chose was to take Spanish and it's interesting, my reason for taking Spanish was because I thought that it would help me in case I wanted to move, you know, relocate somewhere. And the Spanish speaking, speaking population is quite large in the United States, right? And especially the southern states. And I thought that, well, if I wanted to relocate there, it would help me to learn this language. And it was also one of the, the, the bigger languages in the world. And I thought, well, it, for world travel, it would help as well. And so I took Spanish as one of my electives. And that was really what helped me to uncover that one of my strengths is languages. I wouldn't have known that beforehand. So I discovered a strength through through that flexibility and taking advantage of that, right? And sometimes it you even learn your core values. And here's here's what happened to me. One of one of the most craziest electives I took was in the Department of Education. So this was my first degree, and I I studied biochemistry. And one of my electives was supposed to be in the arts. So I chose education. And in the in the university calendar, the description was wrong. The description said that you get to learn sign language, right, to communicate to the deaf population. And I thought, oh, that's great. I'd love to learn sign language. That could be very helpful, especially because at that time I was interested in healthcare. And I thought, well, it would help me to communicate to a certain subset of patients. So I went and I enrolled in the course. And when the course began, the professor came to the front of the classroom and he said, 
And he didn't say, well, he was a deaf professor. He was deaf himself. So he was communicating in sign language. And at that time, I didn't understand at all sign language. So he started, hand, he handed out a piece of paper to everyone in the class. And the note said that, I'm sorry to inform you, but this class is not about learning sign language. The university got it wrong. And I keep on submitting a request to change it and update the description, but they keep on delaying it. So I'm sorry to, that you were misinformed. The class is not about learning sign language. The class is about how to improve education for deaf people. And I will be conducting this class in sign language. I was shocked. And, and then, of course, there was a note to go on. He went on to say, if you went, if you enrolled because you wanted to learn sign language and you decide not to learn it, you can leave the room right now. You can drop out of the class and there's no hard feelings. 80% of the people got up and left. <laughs> I stayed. I decided to immerse myself, to tough it out and immerse myself because I was curious. And this is one of my traits, my entrepreneurial traits. I'm a curious person. I ended up getting an A in that course. I ended up getting an A and learning basic sign language. <laughs> and it uncovered one of my core values. I didn't want to work in education, but it really uncovered a core value to help people who were less represented, who were underrepresented, right? So that was a core value I discovered because of the flexibility in academia, right? So this is something that is a safe environment for you to explore that, right? So I talked about just now, I talked about everything, seven things that the education system did not teach me. And I've outlined all of the things that I've outlined comes from spending 12 years in academia and speaking with hundreds of college graduates over the years to build my understanding around how they think. Right. So you might be asking, well, is college necessary to build a successful career? Well, that depends on what you're going for. Depends on what your career goals are. So the most important decision you have to make is not which college to attend or what your academic major is going to be. The most important decision you have to make is who you are and who you want to become. So if you want to learn more about that, if you want to learn more about that, I invite you to my training. You know, I have a free four-day training. And the link is in the show notes, but it's really careerrevisionist.com slash four day training. And the link will be in my show notes. So I invite you to go to that class and um, go to my training. It's free. It's a free training to just explore that question. And you can take it further, right? You can take it further if you, if you are interested in what, what, what the training, what I have to say. So I invite you to that conversation. It's a conversation that I will have with you, just you and I, a conversation around building this career, building your career forward. And in it, I don't talk about whether or not, you know, education is good, whether or not you should or not, should or shouldn't enroll in academia. Really, that decision depends on who you are and who you want to become. So, right, so I invite you to join me in that conversation. Careerrevisionist.com slash four-day training. And again, thank you for joining me for another episode of Career Revisionist podcast. If you liked what you heard, give me a thumbs up. I mean, give me a, a, a your honest review on Apple iTunes and also on you know app, uh, Google Podcasts as well. Give me your honest review. Let me know what you think. And any questions you have as well, put them into the comments. I read all of the reviews and I would love to answer some of your questions as well. Sometimes I answer my listeners' questions on episodes like this. So if you have a question, submit them to me there. And I look forward to hanging out with you in my next episode.